a big part of truly feeling seen is not about someone looking at you. It's about someone understanding you. And the only way to do that is for them to hear your story. Oh, I love it. I love it. Feeling seen is not about being looked at. It's about being understood. Oh my God. Ah, there needs to be a Nobel Prize for podcast quotes. Put that one in the books. My God. Welcome to Too Legitimate to Quit, instantly actionable small business strategies with a pop culture spin. I am your host, Annie P. Ruggles, and my guest today is the magnificent Margie Feldhume. Margie is the co-owner and CEO of Interview Connections, the first and leading podcast booking agency. Margie and her business partner, Jessica, lead an in-house staff of over 25 full-time employees in their now virtual Rhode Island office and have successfully scaled the agency to multiple seven figures. Their team of in-house booking agents are the podcast powerhouses behind a rapidly growing catalog of over 200 successful entrepreneurs and businesses, including Allie Brown, Paul Ross, JJ Virgin, A. Weber, USA Financial, and yours truly. Margie joined Interview Connections in 2016 as a contractor, becoming the first employee in 2017 and acquiring 50% equity in the business by 2018. By 2019, she helped lead the business to its first seven-figure year without the implementation of any direct marketing or advertising. Interview Connections is projected to hit the eight figure mark in 2021, and I am thrilled. They are the best company ever. Margie has appeared on dozens of top-tier podcasts like Boss Project and Market Your Genius as guest expert and thought leader. When she's not busy recording her own shows, Monetize the Mic, and We Get It, Your Dad Died, Margie is active in animal rescue, organizing a yearly fundraiser called Art for Animals. In 2019, she was recognized for her efforts with a Humane Heroes Award. She is owned by her 17-year-old cat and 9-year-old toothless Yorkie-poo. Margie, what do small business owners need to focus on this week? This week, small business owners need to focus on visibility. Ooh, my dad's favorite word of all time, by the way. Really? Visibility. Yeah. Hi, Dad. Shout out to Pete Passanisi, king of the visibility dorks. But Margie, you tell me why. Why visibility? Because I think especially with service-based entrepreneurs, um, they're, they're givers. They put 110% into serving their clients. Sometimes they think they over-deliver. So there's no problem with the quality of the service. It's incredible. But the problem comes when not enough people know who you are. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's certainly been my problem. Mm-hmm. I've been a best-kept secret for years. 
being a best kept secret feels real great for the first couple years. It feels real shit the next couple years. <laughs> but it does come down to if it's not a quality issue. And I love that you made that thing. Like, it's not a quality thing. It's a pipeline thing. It's a platform thing. You simply need more people to be aware of you. Yeah. Huh. Well, and what's really funny about this, and I love that you said that, is I was going to bring this up later, but, you know, screw it. I'll bring it up now. I uh, am a client of yours because, as I mentioned in the bio, you are one of the owners of Interview Connections, my most beloved podcast booking agency. And the funny thing about what you just said is I hired you for the exact reason that you just said, which is I needed and still need more people. I need that platform to get bigger because of everything that you just said. So, yes, thank you. This week's homework is especially applicable to your host, my gracious self. So, you know, one thing that's so interesting about visibility is that your lane is a visibility factor where you don't have to be on video all that much, and that is podcasting. So, so funny that the word visible is in it, but really it's also about being heard. Tell me more about that. What? Why is it valuable to be heard? Yeah, that's such a great point. And every time I say visibility, I inwardly do laugh because it's ironic that it's a medium that is not about being seen. It's about being heard, but, but it's still visibility. It's still visibility. And a big part of truly feeling seen is not about someone looking at you. It's about someone understanding you. And the only way to do that is for them to hear your story. Oh, I love it. I love it. Feeling seen is not about being looked at. It's about being understood. Oh, my God. Ah, there needs to be a Nobel Prize for podcast quotes. Put that one in the books. My God, that's huge. That's absolutely huge. Thank you. Honestly, I've never said it that way before. And after I said that, I, too, was like, oh, that was that came out good. <laughs> Put it on a t-shirt. Put it on a t-shirt. But And that's why it's so valuable because I think sometimes people have their, they want visibility because they've been told they need visibility. And then they do this kind of like pray and spray, trying to get out yeah. random places. But yeah. it's not just about wide visibility. It's about deep visibility, especially yeah. if you're offering a service. It's not just about people seeing you everywhere. It's about these opportunities for long form conversations on podcasts where someone who listens to that, they know so much about your story and what drives you and what you care about and the problems that you solve. That is such a freaking critical distinction that you just dropped because one of the main enemies of my brand is over-marketing. Right. So people that just market and market and market and market and market and market and, market and, market and, market and never actually sell. Yeah. Right. That is why the non sleazy sales academy exists to fix that problem. But I love that what you're suggesting is not just more marketing or more visibility. You said it's deeper and more intentional. And I think that is so amazing because one of the things that I've seen in in my own relationship with podcasting and 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 visibility through interviews 
is that people get to know me about a hundred thousand times faster than they would if my giveaway was a PDF. Yep. And I have PDFs that I'm proud of and I love them. And I have a pre-recorded webinar that is linked to in every single episode of this very podcast. And I love it and I'm proud of it. But the crash course in understanding me is quite often when you listen to me on these other shows. Why yeah. do you think that is? What do you think it is about, about showing up in that way, using your voice or, or maybe being interviewed? Like what, what's the magic there? That's a great question. I, and I'm going to have to oversimplify obviously to, to answer it because I think it's pretty nuanced and there's a few different things at play, but the biggest thing that I think causes it is because humans are so susceptible to context. And so Mm. podcasting creates a space and the context is that it's appropriate to really be honest. And people don't show up that way often unless there's a space created for it. Like I wouldn't show up at an in-person speed networking event and start talking about my dead dad. Like I just (laughs) wouldn't do it. But on a long form podcast interview, I feel comfortable that it's a space where it's appropriate to unpack my journey and talk about how the death of my dad impacted who I am now as an entrepreneur and and how mm-hmm. I now work with grief with other high achievers and how I'm looking at that. So I think a lot of it has to do with these agreements that we as people make on the context. Mm. And because we've agreed that podcasting is an empty space that we can fill with this authenticity, it's very easy to do it. I love it because it is. It is about both the space we take up, but also the spaces we seek out Yeah, and the spaces that we create for other people because you're totally right. Like on a podcast, not only do you feel that emotional safety, but you also understand that your vulnerability and your story has value in that lane, right? That you're not just bringing it up at a party to make it about you, which, you know, we've all been in the party with those people. But instead you're saying like, look, I'm going to tell you my story, but I'm going to tell you my story because somebody listening is also going to go, whoa, whoa. And that goes back to that idea of being seen. It's not about being looked at. It's about being understood. And somebody else is going to hear that story of grief and go, I thought I was the only one. Right? I thought I was the only freaking one. And and my mom was a motivational speaker, now retired for like my entire life. And one of the things that she loved hearing more than anything else was, I feel like you've been looking over my shoulder for a week. Because it felt so unique to her. But what I've come to understand in my own business is that really is the product of being seen, of feeling seen. Yes. Uh, and so that emotional safety and that that safe space, but also that encouraging space. Yes. And I think there are certain agreements about the podcasting space in general, that it's collaborative, supportive, safe. And then the other thing I love about consistently doing interviews, like doing at least four interviews per month, 
is that every podcast host space is a little bit different. So Mm -hmm. they have those agreements that they all, you know, play in that field. But then like your show, for example, there's permission to be sillier. There's permission to have a little bit more fun. And that brings out a different side of me. It brings out different stories than a more serious show might. So it keeps my content fresh because there's questions you've already asked that no one has ever asked me that I'm like, Ooh, I'm going to do a full episode on that. I'm going to make some videos on this. Mm -hmm. So it's a way of keeping your content fresh and seeing new sides of yourself and your story all the time. Whereas if you were in a vacuum, just making video after video after video, you wouldn't get that diversity and evolution of your ideas. I think that that is absolutely true. And I also know as an interview connections client actively going through this process in a very handheld family-based way, which Side note, anybody that is even remotely curious, just reach out to me, but make sure you have three hours on your calendar because I will not shut up. But one of the things that I've heard from a lot of the people that I now consider to be part of my work family, uh, your other clients and your team members and you have said, you it's really kind of interesting how you think you know what you're going to say before you set out to be on 52, 48 to 52 podcasts in a year. But after you record the first few, you figure out what your message actually is. Yeah. And for every single one of us, it was like six very dramatic inches to the left. Yeah. Like it was right there. Like we could still see where we thought it was. Nobody's having like a dramatic departure here. But what we expected to come out of our mouths over and over and over is not quite what we're actually needing to say. And that has been really cool. Like for lack of an actually descriptive word, it's cool to have found my own footing. And it's also really freaking cool for as someone who had a lot of like trauma around my voice. I have a very nasal voice. I'm very Muppety, as we all know. La-di-da. Listeners, thank you for dealing with my lovely nasality. However, like, even though I've had my own issues with listening to myself, there is something so magical about listening to shows that I was on and going, shit, that's me? Oh my God, especially when it comes to imposter syndrome because I had imposter syndrome before one of my major interview connection speeches or uh, interviews because it was in the sales space. And I'm like, well, I'm in the sales space, but I'm not salesy. And And I was listening to it and that one just came out this week and I was listening to it. And I was walking around my house, like, making faces at my cats. Like, did you hear that? That was genius. Your mother is a genius. (laughs) Like, and my cats and my dog are like, great. I listen to you talk all day. And I don't speak English and I don't care. But I was, like, making faces to them, like, mic drop faces. And my cats were not excited. But you know what? I walked away and I was like, holy crap. This is a whole new opportunity to be proud of myself. And just like you find in that safe space that it's easier to be more open, more vulnerable, more authentic, 
I'm finding it so much easier to be both clear and confident. Do you feel the same way? Yes, absolutely. My confidence has increased so much from doing interviews. And this increase in confidence and this evolution in messaging It's not like it's just newer business owners. It doesn't matter where you are. Consistent interviews will do this to you. Like you could be an eight-figure business owner. If you do four Mm -hmm. podcast interviews a month, your messaging will evolve and your confidence will get higher. Yep. And there's no ceiling. Like it just goes on forever. That's so exciting. Yeah. <laughs> That's so exciting. And, and it is like every show is a new surprise. Yep. Every interview is a new person. And then one of the other things that that I think is really great when it comes to visibility is it's also visibility is, is a really lovely way to get extroversion needs met. Right? Like yeah. you're interfacing with people. Like we're recording this on audio, but you and I are on video. Yeah. Like, I showed you what slippers I was wearing. We are intimate in here. <laughs> like, and I think that's, I think that's really cool. In our pre-chat, we were talking about a dear friend of interview connections of Margie herself and of me, Laura from Brave by Design, who we all dearly, dearly love. And we're sisters now. How did we become sisters? Interview Connections booked me on her podcast. I showed up. We bonded. We're besties now. I can't wait for COVID to lift. The other day I told her I intended to tell her in DMs that I was going to drive my way to Detroit. And instead I said I was going to drink my way to (laughs) Detroit. But now we have an inside joke. Like that's the kind of stuff that's happening in these interviews because of that safe space. So, you know, because I I hear so much invisibility before we transition. I, I hear so much invisibility about like, well, I can't go on Facebook Live because what if I have a booger in my nose or, you know, I gain weight during COVID and I da 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 So if you could just, you know, get on your pulpit and tell people about the freeing visibility of podcasting and speak directly to people's fear of visibility what what what's coming up for you there if i if i gave you not even a soapbox but a pulpit yeah i mean it's scary it's scary in the beginning when you first start getting out there and that's true for everyone that's even true for like people who have a lot of speaking experience but aren't used to podcasts i mean it's always yeah. scary to do something new that's part of where the consistency and the momentum comes in and is really helpful because when you start doing four interviews a month every single month you're practicing and building that muscle so you're getting more confident really mm. quickly but there's nothing wrong with like being nervous or being afraid but it's i mean everything in business is all about that like you know you feel the fear and do it anyway yeah i love that idea of visibility as a muscle because yeah It definitely has its sore points. Yeah. But over time, like I had horrible, horrible, horrible imposter syndrome before that one before. Like I was not great. I was hitting up every member of the IC's team, like seeking out validation. I I went to my agent. I went to the customer care person. I went to the customer care manager. I went to everybody. I went to the group. I was like, someone please validate me. I'm having imposter syndrome. Guess what? I know it'll happen again before a future interview, but I've done like seven since and it didn't. 
I know there will be a day where it's new level, new devil, or maybe I'll be sensitive that day. There are sore parts, but you're right. It's a muscle and it does become stronger and more resilient over time. Ugh. Ugh. I just keep writing down things and I'm like, that would look great on a tote bag. That would look, I would wear that t-shirt. Like, I just. We need merch so, for this episode. Right? You're so good at the sound bites, Margie. My God. Thank you. All right. The final moment. Not the final moment, obviously, but the dramatic twist. I have brought you here today. In addition to talking about interviews and visibility and the comfort and muscle of interviewing uh, about one of our mutual joint obsessions to the point where I have told my spouse and you have told your future spouse, we have made a mandate that if either of us is murdered, that we will be represented not on just any old crime show and not narrated by just any old narrator, but both of us independent of each other have demanded that Keith Morrison of Dateline narrate our untimely demises. In addition to that, what does any of this have to do with the Lester Holt hosted smash bang true crime original tour de force of interviewing known as Dateline? I also have approved photos. So one obvious thing is it's a good idea to have at least one round of headshots that you can use oh my for your one sheet. And it's a good idea to also pop a flattering headshot in your if I get murdered folder for Dateline yes. to use because yes. they will yes. use a photo from 2010 when you had yes. really thin eyebrows and it's like a flip yes. phone camera if you're not careful. And they will not only use that photo. They don't show that photo on Dateline once. No. They show that photo on Dateline approximately 17,000 times in that episode. And every time they present it like it's new. And then the other thing they do is they zoom in <laughs> on the photo. So, like, not only are your eyebrows thin, they're panning in on those thin <laughs> eyebrows. Yeah, so get good photos. If you're going to be visible, get good photos. Yep. Even for audio, you need good photos. I need to get my photos redone. Shout out to Mika, my photographer. Can't wait to see you again uh, once I can, you know, get a COVID haircut and dye my roots so I don't like the Bride of Frankenstein. Uh, no, I think that's a biggie. Yep. Yes, yes. And also, like, okay, so what is the business owner equivalent of the in case I get murdered folder. Is that like the in case I'm on Oprah folder? Yep. I would say that is your media page on your website, which is a really good thing to have because you can put like your headshot, your one sheet, all the guest appearances you've done. And when you have that, you'll get inquiries about other opportunities because people will see you're available for interviews. So I, I, kind of a, a little bit less dark, you know, it's more of an mm -hmm. opportunity. Hopefully you don't get more murder opportunities from <laughs> your, if I get murdered folder. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. It's just, it's so true though. I mean, yeah. it's just so true. And, and, and listen, if any of the other 
hosts of Dateline are listening, you are all excellent interviewers and you all have excellent styles. It just so happens that we choose Keith Morrison and that we both do because his particular style, we think, would be the best narrative element for our untimely demises should they hopefully never occur. But I think that also goes to what we were talking before about every show has its flavor. Yes. And there's definitely a big flavor difference between Keith and Mankiewicz, which he's my favorite one to watch. He makes me laugh so hard because he always has a pocket square, but his hair is a little messed up. He looks like (laughs) a drunk wedding guest. That is how I would describe his outfit. And then he always seems like he's sort of like laughing a little bit. And which is funny when you're interviewing a family about murder. Right. And then I also like the questions that he asks because he'll be like, so your daughter was brutally murdered. And was was that hard for you? What was going through your mind? What was going through your mind? Right. So your daughter's found in a dumpster. Yeah. What did you eat for breakfast that day? Yeah. Like what? Like what? Like what? No, but you're right. I think, I think drunk wedding guests. Yeah. That, like, nobody's really quite sure if it's, <laughs> yeah. like, which side of the wedding they're on. Yeah. Like, so he kind of just sits toward the middle. Yep. And you're like, who's who's that guy? And, yeah, you're right. He always got, he's always kind of got this, like, leaned back. Yep, he's chilling. Dance in the chair. He's chilling. And he does all, it's not disrespectful. No. But it does have a lightness that the others don't have. <laughs> yes. <laughs> A lightness when it comes to axe murders. Yeah. Right. Mm. But I mean, people could also say we're having a humorous podcast about visibility, which for a lot of people scares them to death. So that's a good parallel. Well, is it? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. (laughs) But, you know, I think um, one of the things that's so interesting is I would love to know how hosts are assigned because one thing about Dateline that I think is so great and was so pivotal in the true crime space is they spend a lot of time on these stories not only like dedicated time like going deep like you talked about at the very beginning but a lot of this is like they are going to the appeal hearings they're following up with the victims on anniversaries like they have long standing relationships with these folks i'm so curious how they find the stories that are right for them or if their stories are assigned for them but i think however the magic happens it's amazing how the 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 narrator's unique style informs the story without distracting from it yeah And I know as a podcast host, that's always been kind of in the back of my mind is like, how can I be a good interviewer? How can I lend to the story, but really have my guests and their brilliance be the focus? Mm -hmm. Right. And And I'm still figuring out my Mankiewicz style. I'm still... I'm still honing it. Yeah. There's the other thing from Dateline that I like is like storytelling on podcasts is so important. And I think Dateline episodes, how good they are depends heavily on where they drop you into the story. 
And Mm -hmm. my favorite Dateline episode that I watched probably in like 2013, it got me obsessed with Dateline. I don't know if you've seen this one, but it was like a woman had hired a hitman to kill her husband. And they introduce you to that whole situation and they confront her and they bring her in the police station. But what they don't tell you or her is that he's alive. They found out before the murder happened. So they confront the viewer and her with her living husband who's sitting there who's like, hey, and oh, damn. Yeah. And it's like it with that crazy plot twist is what oh made God. me fall in love with Dateline. That's that storytelling style. You know, what's also amazing about that is Dateline is humorously, predictably formulaic. Yeah. Like if it is possible that the spouse did it. Oh, yeah. Especially in heteronormative relationships, then the husband did it. Yeah. Then the husband did it. The husband did it. We'll take 90 minutes to get there, but the husband did it. And yet, every episode, some more than others, but every episode is riveting, even though you know what the outcome is. Mm -hmm. I know. Keith is leading you in this very dramatic, mysterious way down these paths. And you know they're red herrings, but you're like, but maybe. Oh, yes. yes. (laughs) Like, there's always somebody's cousin yeah. Who was a pool boy who nine summers earlier <laughs> made one comment about somebody in a bikini. Yep. Whoa. And we are going to spend two commercial breaks there. Mm-hmm. But that's the other thing that kind of about the storytelling of Dateline that's so annoying, but also so characteristic and so lovable, but also valuable is that show repeats itself constantly. Yeah. Right. And so that's part of the thing that I realized with with doing all of these podcast interviews is I'm like, oh, my God, I've already said that I'm going to run out of stuff to say. So say it again. Yeah. So say it again. You got a cliffhanger. Say it again. You got a new piece of evidence that's really blowing minds. Say it again. You got your Jerry Orbach law and order dry one liner and it got a good reaction. Cool. Use the joke again. Mm -hmm. Say it again. You know, so what do you think about about storytelling elements or repetition, even though people are going to know the ending? This is an episode about visibility. We're talking about podcasts. They can make assumptions. But how do we keep it fresh? How do we keep it light? What do you think? Well, I think part of it is the interview format makes it fresh every time you tell it because of like we talked about before, different host personalities will bring out different energies and aspects of it. So I think that's a big thing. I also think one of the mistakes people make in marketing and specifically with visibility is that they think people are paying closer attention than they are because it's like, well, I know this. I I say this all the time. Like they already know, but they don't know because they're not listening to you as closely as you're listening to you. So you actually have to say the same things more than you'd think for people to get it at the time that's right for them to really receive it and want to take action. I think that's the absolute cat and mouse game of visibility. It's like, I don't want people to see me. I don't want people to see me. I'm putting myself out there. This is going to be intense. This is going to be intense. Then you put yourself out there. You're like, that's not that bad. I did it once. Now I'm fine. Nope. You got to put yourself back out there. You got to put yourself back out there and you got to say it again. Like, just keep on trucking you know and it's like the the fear will get lessened the the uh, muscle will grow as we've already talked about but 
People are not paying close enough attention to be able to go, well, excuse me. Like you brought a, you brought up your father and his passing. Like, I'm sorry, Margie, but you brought that up on a podcast interview that you did on Tuesday. And it's a week later. So, like, maybe could you say something that's, like, less emotional? Could you tell a different story? Like, no one is paying that close of attention. No one is. But I also have to say, this is so funny. So, because I felt like I tell this story all the time. I have a new podcast coming out in April about grief and interviewing high achievers about death. And because I feel like I tell this story all the time, the title, even though it's a very serious topic, is a joke. And the title is, We Get It, Your Dad Died. (laughs) So I love that you said that. (laughs) Yeah. You know, we get it. We We get get it. it. We got it. We get it. (laughs) We get it. Oh, my God. That title is freaking hysterical. That is hilarious but also cuts right to the emotional core of high achievers going through grief who either feel the need that they need to be completely mum about what they're going through because they don't want people to say that or they talk about it in their everyday life or their business and they're worried that people will get sick of it i think the title makes complete sense thank you see people a humorous title can get you some places <laughs> oh my god oh, all right so I know exactly what to ask. This is not about your murder, which will never happen. Knock on all of all of the wood. But but in how old is Interview Connections now? Eight. We were founded in 2013. And what year did you join? 2016. And then I became owner 2018. Okay, so it's like an every two years type of thingy. Okay, cool. All right. (laughs) So two years from now. Yeah. Two years from now, a magnificent non-scandal rocks interview connections. We don't know what it is. It's two years from now. Maybe you and Jess know. Maybe you don't. But doesn't even matter. You have this huge, amazing thing happen in the business two years from now. But, but it has to have a Dateline episode title. And it will be introduced by Lester Holt. So two years from now, primetime NBC, Lester Holt walks on and says, here's Keith Morrison with, insert episode title here. Oh my gosh, this is a hard one. Mm -hmm. Okay. I mean, this is such, this is so dumb, but the only thing that's coming into my head is like a, a very well-known business phrase that I feel like could be a crossover with a Dateline title. And that is success leaves clues. Ooh, 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 there we go. I'm Lester Holt and here's Keith Morrison with success leaves clues. Ooh, that's my other favorite thing about Dateline is the entire theme song is just that one. Ooh. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, Don't Watch Alone. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. All right. Well, hopefully, hopefully people out there are like, I need more of this in my life. So if they are hoping to learn more about IC, they want to join our family um, of interview connections, interviewees and ers and ours and blah, um, or they want to get in touch with you yourself, 
or maybe they have a high achieving story of grief. What is the best way for our listeners to start a conversation with you? So the best way is probably our free masterclass, um, our May masterclass, which they can find at interviewconnections.com slash live masterclass. That is something that Jess and I run live. So it's an ongoing conversation with us. It's not a pre-recorded thing. And we go through everything you could ever want to know about visibility and how to leverage podcasts. And we hold your hand through the whole thing and answer your questions and make sure you have clarity, not just on like the basics, but also like what they look like for your specific business. I love that it's called a masterclass too, because for what I've seen of it and participated in it, it's not a five-day challenge. It is way, way meatier and to use your word deeper than a five-day challenge. And I I want to just encourage everybody so wholeheartedly, jump into the masterclass or if you're listening after May 2021, there every couple months, reach out to their team, reach out to her, reach out to me directly. I would be glad to uh, put you in touch so that you too can get your story told. Margie, it has been an absolute delight having you here on this episode of Too Legitimate to Quit. Everybody, I will be back in just a second with my final thoughts and your homework for the week. Well, hey there, listeners. If you're hearing this, then I've been murdered. Just kidding. Not that kind of Dateline episode. So as I mentioned one or a billion times in this episode already, I am a proud and raving client of Margie's company, Interview Connections. Now, wait, this is more of a sermon than a commercial, so hear me out. Their secret sauce is this. Every single person on their team is a gem who would bend over backwards to help me shine. And I'll gladly tell you all about the hashtag Annie P. Ruggles fan club some other time. Y'all know who you are and I love you. But talking with Margie got me thinking about them and all of the other voices that have contributed to my story. All the people that added not only plot twists or cliffhangers, but enthusiasm and intrigue and sage wisdom along the way. Not to mention everyone that has supported me by spreading the word of whatever the heck it is I'm doing at the time. Your homework this week is to use your voice, your signature style, to help someone tell their story. And no, it doesn't just have to be a case study about you. Whether you're a Morrison, a Canning, a Mankiewicz, or a Murphy, your special touch may be just the thing that that client, peer, or partner needs to open up and get more visible themselves. Because living out loud is freaking scary, even more so when it's directly tied to your livelihood. We all need a little shove from time to time. And that's the incredible thing about interviews. When your guest shines, you do too. And as a bonus, it's great evergreen content, all for the cost of a beautiful conversation. Too Legitimate to Quit is brought to you by the Non-Sleazy Sales Academy and me, your host, Annie P. Ruggles. If you struggle to sell because you don't know how to put a price on all that goodness in you and you don't like the way that your competitors do it, I have great news for you. You can find my free challenge, Making Selling Easy Without Getting Sleazy, anytime at 
AnniePRuggles.com slash easy, not sleazy. Our show is edited and produced by Andrew Sims of Hyperbole. Our fabulous theme tune is by Riley Horbacio, who I found on Fiverr. Our gorgeous podcast art is by Francois Vigneault, who I found on Upwork. And our marketing team is led by the unbelievably life-saving Nick Bonitatibus. Don't forget to check today's show notes for more information about our fabulous guests, plus some continuing resources and some Etsy finds from other super fans of today's topic. All pop culture elements mentioned in this episode remain the sole intellectual property of their respective owners. I do not own them, so please don't sue me.